we'll first start off with just kind of setting the scene questions just about yourself. So where did you grow up and kind of your professional working background? Okay. Uh, I come from Beeth in Ayrshire and uh, uh, straight before I left school I started working as a, a British labourer mm -hmm. uh, before my 15th birthday and that gave me a taste for getting into work quick and I never actually thought about working uh, in in healthcare uh, but I used to uh, volunteer in uh, sheltered housing uh, down in Coburnley mm -hmm. and uh, that sort of tripped me into uh, thinking about doing other things so I was working with uh, what was called the Scottish School for Spastics at the time and uh, that was my first care job and I was only 18 at the time so and from there I went into mental health nursing. Right, okay. And I've been working in Levendale Hospital, based in Levendale Hospital for 39 years. Right, okay. Wow, that's interesting that they used to call it something that we now find so offensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But spastic was just, it's just a, it's a, it's a diagnostic term, mm -hmm. but that's not how it's used, obviously, yeah, in yeah. local parlance. But, uh -huh. yeah. okay. but uh, that was, that, that, that was, uh, the most enlightening thing because I was working with people with the most severe physical disability that you could ever possibly imagine mm -hmm. and the dignity and ability and the creativity within that space uh, working in, a, uh, in the spastic school in Howard uh, that really set the, the bar for uh, sort of aligning me to people's capabilities and seeing their strengths and not their weaknesses. So. Mm -hmm. And where did you study mental health nursing then? In Levendale. We right, that, okay. a, the school of nursing used to be based in the hospital when mm -hmm. I started nursing. Right. Uh, so uh, all your tutors and your um, uh, clinical specialists were, were, were on tap. They were supportive. They were in the wards with you. They were, came and visited you regularly during your placements and stuff. So there was a very nurturing and learning environment mm -hmm. and support because it was very hard in the 80s. <laughs> yeah. It was brutal. Uh, in the ward areas, you know, it was uh, had to swim or drown. It was tough. Mm. And so what patients was it that you were working with during that time? Well, it was in Levendale. There was about a thousand patients there at that time. So it was care of the elderly, very long-term, uh, chronically ill people who had been in hospital since the war. 30, 40 years was quite common uh, and uh, extremely acute where there was a new service being built there and uh, it was meant to be more progressive uh, well it was more progressive and it was more person centred than what it had been before with the idea that people weren't going to come into hospital and stay in hospital but they were going to be quickly turned over and back out of hospital mm. uh, so it was reduced the institutionalisation uh, uh, process so people were getting more support and more community support so they could get discharged earlier right and that was the early, the sort of mid 80s, it was the start of community nursing. And uh, you had a community team based within the hospital, which was really good because if you had any difficulties uh, with uh, people who were admitted in the hospital, the community team were already part of the hospital, so they could go and visit people in the hospital and make sure their cats are alright, make sure their parents are informed and all that kind of stuff. So mm. it was really quite hands on and supportive. So when did the art part of the therapy begin to be used then? Was that in the oh, 80s? Well, it's always been part of uh, psychiatric care. Um, when, I was, when I started there, there was like occupational therapy, recreational therapy, and uh, there was uh, gardening, and there was all sorts of different resources and uh, rehab 
type activities going on uh, based in uh, industrial units. Uh, so people were um, they were working, but they were making things like furniture. And they were doing gardening. They were doing maybe more industrial stuff like slabs, but it all involved quite a lot of technical skills and a lot of teamwork and a lot of uh, planning and goal achievement. So there was there was a there was an aspect of that going on through the hospital. But uh, when I when I started in Leven in recreational therapy, where I've been based for about thirty five years. Uh, my main three streams were education, art and physical activity. It always been physical activity, big focus on football, swimming, uh, indoor, outdoor bowling, putting, uh, golf, and, uh, all those facilities, tennis were all available on the hospital site at the time. But uh, when I came into my job, I started to bring my own interests into the workplace. So we started a writing group, we had art activities. The very first art project I was involved in was uh, for bingo calling and it was 90 squares on a huge wall, a huge piece, piece of wall and everybody had a square within who came to the department and they had the chance to design if not actually uh, paint and uh, draw it. But they, each person got to design a square right. and uh, so I love, that's always been part of my work since then. Is this sense of community connection where all different people come together from different areas, different resources, inpatients, outpatients, and have a shared goal, shared vision? Mm -hmm. uh, so I've always been. That's always been a big. That creates a lot of enthusiasm and motivation about the, the staff team as well as the, the patients do, mm -hmm. and, and the achievement aspect of getting people to come along and see what you've achieved and mm -hmm. stuff like that. So it's always been part of my work. And so is that the main like kind of goal by using art is to give something that people can work together and be proud of, or what do you see? Well, no, it's treatment as well because uh, very basic level, uh, you put uh, art materials on the table, you can find out quite a lot very quickly about uh, how well and how uh, engaged people are. If they know what to do with the equipment, they can get organised if they're drawing things that are that have some coherence or if they're doing really imaginative stuff, it gives you a really good starting point to initiate uh, communication with people. Mm. So I've always, it's always been a really productive tool in working with folk that, um, that, you know, just watching them work and just sharing the time with them. But it's all about relationship building and making connections so that people feel more valued and uh, feel that they have a sense of achievement. And even if the, our mantra for the last 20 odd years is anyone can do art, and uh, that's a big focus in the department and the team I work with. It's about encouraging people into uh, doing things that they didn't recognise they had the ability in, mm. or they didn't recognise would be enjoyable and relaxing and give a sense of purpose and focus to, you know. So that's been massive mm -hmm. uh, as part of, part of uh, how, how we deliver uh, care. Right, okay. And so, obviously you'd mentioned one of the activities there about the bingo, like, yeah. wall. Is that the way to describe it? Yeah, but, um, yeah. <laughs> like, what other activities is it now that you do on, like, a regular basis with the Oh, patients? you've done everything. <laughs> uh, everything from as basic as to just getting people in doing uh, mindfulness colouring. But uh, over the years, I've been involved in loads of different projects. Things like, uh, we toured a 40-day tour with a play. Uh, 
on, about mental health and we start, start, we'd established a community arts group along with some other community arts coordinators based in the hospital with hospital patients, staff, staff from the community, people who are librarians, uh, secretaries, uh, doctors or whatever. Um, we had this cohesive wee arts project and we didn't determine, we didn't make a distinction between the members who were patients, who were uh, staff members or who were community members, we just worked as a team. So we used to, <laughs> this is bizarre and I didn't like it, we had a hospital minibus. So me and another member of staff, uh, around about half three, when we're doing these tours around uh, Scotland, anywhere Coburnley, Shots, uh, all around Glasgow for Mayfest and stuff, this is the late 80s, early 90s, and uh, we'd get a minibus and take uh, 14 seats out of the minibus and uh, pour our backdrops and our uh, lighting gear and our lighting rig and everything to do with the play, head off to the venue, set up the gig, top and tail the gig, get uh, with patients and, uh, who used to uh, be the door or, or door people, so they they took in the money and uh, set with uh, stage managers who were part of the patients in the hospital as well, and people who did the lighting rig. We had a lighting guy who came in and taught the patients how to set up the, the scenes, so we were doing these tours. We'd do the gig, finish about 10 o'clock, head back to Levendale, take all, <laughs> take all the equipment back out into the recreation therapy department, put all the seats back in the minibus, go and park the minibus and do the same, maybe three or four times a week. <laughs> as well as doing our job, as well as working in uh, mm. delivering recreational therapy yeah. uh, in '95, you know, so <laughs> it was totally crazy. Mm. So we were doing a workshop one night a week, and, uh, and we were doing uh, rehearsal three nights a week because we were we got really good reviews in the Herald and the Scotsman, and we went through the Edinburgh Festival. We we we, we, we uh, put on a made a play on for a week at the art school, school art stuff like that so that was that was and when was that sorry well that was the late 80s early 90s you know mm -hmm. and so we were going out to like some Mary Hillborough Halls or Shots or uh, McRoberts Centre uh, it was equivalent to the McRoberts Centre through in Stirling at the time and uh, you know, and people would come up to interview you and stuff and we wouldn't make any distinction so we were like trying to challenge those the, the stigma aspect mm -hmm. and not and, and the group members to be viewed as group members not to have the, the roles at work or within the institution were not recognised you know you just came as a group member to the group so I really loved how that. did the like media like deal with that ah well they were they were always looking to distinguish people <laughs> but we were hardcore didn't do that there was a few few people who had made representation for monies and stuff so they 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 did, they did a lot of uh, the communication stuff as well, though, mm. you know, so uh, to get funding for different projects. Um, but uh, no, so that was, that was an, interesting, yeah. an interesting time. But what, what I love over the last well, 13 years of this MAF, uh, the Scottish Mental Health Arts Festival, every year we've had something hospital based or community based and we've uh, collated work from all around the hospital uh, and put on a show. Uh, uh, for the last 13 years. There a couple of times we went out to the Pierce Institute in Pollock and we went out to um, no, the, Pierce, the Civic Realm in Pollock and the Pierce Institute in Govan and we put on a whole show down there. But most of the time I've been, it's all about the hospital being part of the community for me and uh, inviting people in over the door mm -hmm. to see that uh, 
it's a very constructive, creative place. It's not just a, it's not just treatment as uh, people might perceive medication uh, and psychosocial, you know, uh, skills. Uh, you know, that education regards health. It's about uh, the, the treatment in hospital is also about uh, recognising your strengths and your interests and uh, your ability and giving you an opportunity to do something that you like. What I love about our department is that a lot of time people are in hospital, they're very contained, they're very prescriptive, there's a lot of parameters set, but when people come into the department I work in, it's about doing something that they want to do and having control over, over something as well a choice you know like so often times you're, you're you're not told what to do but you're, you're, you're your care's very directed whereas you come into our place you say what do you want to do and people there's art available every day in our, in our resource doesn't matter what's happening in uh, the space whether there's other activities going on there's always the opportunity if you want to make a card make a bracelet do some drawing do some painting we can set up a table for you and do it. So I really love that instant gratification aspect that you're, you're not coming in and waiting for the art group. <laughs> if you're coming in the Wednesday and it's not until next Wednesday, that you come in and you say, well, the art group's on next Wednesday, but see today, you can do anything you want. What would you like to do? So it's having that ease of access. And a big thing for us as well is how we deliver uh, those sessions is making that affordable so that people... We try to use um, equipment that is easy to resource and uh, not so expensive because art's really expensive if you're if you're working with uh, the materials can be really oppressively expensive so we try to find ways around that so that people when they leave the hospital they still can access the activities and we try to signpost people to arts resources in the community uh, as well so that they can continue their interest so, do patients ever come with their own like preconceived ideas of either what their care is going to be like or when they get to oh, your definitely, centre? Definitely, definitely. Yeah. The amount of people that come in that go, oh, it's none of this was here, we've been in hospital for three weeks and, uh, and it's, a, it's a lifeline uh, in lots of respects, you know. We touch points, we uh, candles in the darkness, you know. It's like uh, people feel nourished when they come in, you mm. know. Because like we've got art available all the time, we've got a writing group, we've got a learning for all group which is all about uh, meeting people individually what they want to do, uh, we've been doing songwriting groups, working with lots of different community groups, the Village Storytelling Centre, West of Scotland Musical Students, uh, uh, Workers Education, we've, we've, we work with lots of different resources and lots of people come and seek us out because they know we've done work with other people as well. Greatest example of that, Glasgow Museum's Resource Centre. 13 years ago, and Governor was sitting in a meeting talking about different art activities in Glasgow, and I met one of the guys for the Glasgow Museums. Since then, we've done workshops, uh, loads of projects, loads of art extraordinary pro projects and stuff like that. So they come and work within the hospital. And we go out to the pods at Glasgow Museum Resource Centre, and we do workshops uh, on specific topics and we use that to encourage people to try different uh, uh, you, you know, multimedia projects or different artworks or be encourage them to draw, sculpt or whatever, you know. So I really love I really love the, those kind of interactive work. So we've been working with songwriters, with the village storytelling, they came into the hospital, we went to all the different wards in the hospital and we collated uh, 
lyrics from all the different groups that we uh, accessed in the hospital and they came back and collated uh, three songs and we told the story and performed at the CCA in uh, Glasgow uh, and uh, patients who had never been involved in choral singing and that were on part of the performance and stuff so I, I really mm-hmm. I really love being involved in things that, that have fruition you know that, mm-hmm. uh, but even the simple thing like a writing group there's been different you know 12, 13 years of writing group and then there was a wee lull and pick up for another couple of years and come on but the last 6, 7 years maybe more uh, we'll be meeting a Friday afternoon and we're talking about people coming from really acute areas where they're coming at hospital quite severe symptoms and uh, and some people who are maybe having a slow progress through rehabilitation they've been in the hospital for a long time so we can have any anything from five to about twelve or thirteen people in this wee library space, and I just sit and I say like, uh, I just we just set a, a general rule that uh, we're going to have we, we have a wee blather, we have to see if anybody's got homework and wants to bring it and read it, and then we set forty five minutes to an hour of silence uh, to write in, and that would, sounds counterproductive when you're talking about working with people with, who a need to express himself or uh, are having difficulty or whatever. I'm totally astonished every week about how quiet everybody sits. And I keep reinforcing that uh, this doesn't have to be about writing, you don't need to share anything. This is a quiet time in the week and uh, even if you, all you do is maybe lay out three or four ideas for the next time we come to write or if you've got an idea that you can share with people or just talk through stuff and this is a time to just relax and think about that. There's poetry, there's a, it's a library space, so if you want to go and get a poetry book or get a bit of writing, uh, reading and do a bit of reading instead of writing, or just look out the window and enjoy the, the time. And it, it's totally astonishing to me how this disparate group of folk come in and sit and they stick with that rule, you know. I just wouldn't imagine it would happen. So it surprises me, even though I've been doing it for years, it's still surprising that people just sit and they write for 45 minutes and they share it without thinking, you know, and uh, the quality of the writing over the last three or four years has been phenomenal, you know, uh, I'm in awe of some of the people that, that come in the group, you know, so I love that, uh, a lot of people, a lot of uh, nurses or doctors or whatever, you know, health staff like to feel in charge of their relationship with people and stuff, and, but I love it when I'm overwhelmed with their ability, and I love it when people teach my staff how to do stuff, it doesn't matter. We, we do a lot of physical sport, physical, uh, we do swimming, football, and playing national tournaments and stuff like that. So within your, 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 your patient group, there are going to be people who are a lot better at football, snooker, pool, drawing than you are. And I, love, I embrace that. And I, and I love to reinforce that, mm-hmm. that, uh, that I'm learning for them, you know. So it's, uh, I think it's good for people's confidence in that mm-hmm. situation. You know? uh, it's encouraging. Yeah. Has anybody ever gone on after they've done their writing to publish any of their work? Or We've had quite a few people publishing, uh, but they've, they've been involved in uh, Scottish Mental Health Arts Festival and uh, some have self-published, but they've been, they've, they've been doing projects that have been really interesting. There's a girl called Jen who has tried to do this children's book and not tried to, she's realised that she just doesn't have a, you know, like it's, not been, it's not for general sale. It's a beautiful wee book, simple wee pictures on what it feels like to be crushed by depression and try to overcome it on a day-to-day yeah, basis. Yeah. Yeah. Have you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, well Jen, <laughs> Jen, Jen was, uh, was one of our group members. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, yeah. I saw... Yeah, but 
There's three or four uh, within the group just now who are definitely writing of a quality that could, you know, could easily be writing short stories or poetry, especially as a few people that are writing at a high level. Uh, but it's just about confidence. To, and who did get published anyway? So it's about really uh, encouraging the activity and encouraging the, the pastime mm -hmm. rather than focusing on the. Uh, you know, spent some sort of measure of success in that by achievement uh, or, or getting published. But I do think there is a few in the group that could do a wee push in that direction, mm -hmm. you know. What do you find, do you, have you always worked in the west of Scotland? Yes. And uh -huh. do you find that there's <coughs> like, is there any dis difference between what you hear from colleagues that maybe work in different parts of the country or? I don't hear many people working on the same basis that we do. Not very many at all. There used to be uh, uh, recreational therapy centres in every hospital and stuff like that. They totally annihilated them. I just fought like hell keepers and uh, made a good case for it. And we established good standards of care and standards of care delivery. So we've retained and grown our, our resource because of that, you know, and uh, in the way that we interact with community partners and are constantly re-evaluating our programme and changing and uh, updating. Keeping the core values the same but always being responsive to change, you know, so... Why do you think that is that over the past few years they've pulled back, like Scotland has pulled back on stuff like, like funding well, they, for things like they, that? They see they don't, they, they're prioritising, they make a big mistake in thinking that pri pri prioritising certain aspects of care. They're not looking help. They're not looking holistically at how impactful a positive experience in apps and hospital settings with music or music and sport and education, that how, how much a foundation that can be for recovery and wellness. It's, it's, to me, it's like dead obvious. I mean, I've been doing this for 39 years. The most obvious thing is people uh, enjoying treatment and getting a benefit from it in the sense of position or connection with others and feeling confidence to try things and like a stage response to going back to their mainstream life if you like so if all you're doing is sitting in a hospital ward and getting in reach treatments in there and getting discharged what have you learned you're in the hospital wards and community centre vibe happening within your the resource people have to get their shoes on and their jackets on go out and attend that resource that's a similar kind of thing as to getting your jacket on to go to the shop or go to uh, work or whatever you know you're encouraging the, and people think that people are better within contained environments like locked wards or uh, secure you know secure acute environments and the difference when they actually have to go and engage with people in a different area from, with people that they're not familiar with for the last six or seven weeks and it, they don't realise that how, how how great a thing that is to evaluate people's real sense of recovery, a real sense of wellness. That if, they, if they're able to come from here to here and do something like an art group or uh, a Tai Chi group or a learning for all group within this environment with total strangers, that that's preparing you for you know as mm -hmm. you know it's state it's having a stage response to discharge and a gradual. Uh, it's a foundation for your recovery, you know. It's dead obvious. <laughs> How do you think then attitudes have changed for recreational therapy, or do you think they've stayed the same in that sense? Well, creative therapies in general, um, there's a lot of outside agencies or artists who are now in reaching into uh, 
resources. But I, I genuinely believe that when uh, you have core groups of members of staff who are uh, part of a team delivering the service and have those skills like art, uh, music, uh, football, swimming, you know, creative, uh, person-centred uh, activities, then you're giving that you're a centre for excellence. Then you know, uh, whereas if you're just dropping them for twelve weeks and twelve weeks and twelve weeks, a bit like the poverty safari things that. Uh, the, you know, you've got artists coming in and doing something with the patients and then leaving. Mm. Whereas if you are working with the patients day to day, you've got a different kind of interpersonal relationship. I'm not saying that's better. For me, you have core, if you have core people, artists in the group and bring in artists where you have help facilitate and uh, you, you have much more uh, expansive results, you know, there'll be a lot more, it'll be a lot more positive uh, rather than just having somebody drop in. Because they have no sense of connection. Mm. They quickly get a sense of connection when the staff that they meet my, when they meet my staff and we're like, hey, okay, what do you want to do? Yeah, what can we do to help? And that, and it's been, it's given them a better experience as well and building uh, practitioners' uh, abilities and responses and they can now go on to the next thing they're doing mm. as well, you know? So I think that joint working is really essential, mm. not just to, not just to drop in, you yeah. know? see the patients and leave, you mm -hmm. know, the, a more honest kind of relationship with yeah. community apps. It used to be great in the 80s because there was tons of that going on, you know, you go to House Hill Community Centre, Pollock, Castle Milk, there was loads of stuff going on mm -hmm. that was uh, funded, uh, and it was very workers, unemployed workers related, you know, it was very uh, down up, mm -hmm. you know, like it was, they were investing in uh, trying to make things better in communities that are so the the kind of like public opinion then was do you feel like it was just it was that focusing on more like workers having the ability to get the opportunity to access the access apps, it yeah. and then with that it kind of pulled in mental health yeah. more frequently or was it i think it was a, it was a slow recognition of those of things because even i mean like i was at school in the 70s my teachers were kind of left a center Garnock Academy down in Coburnley, we had Edwin Morgan, Norman McCaig, uh, who else? Edwin Muir, all the poets came down and spoke about their work. He yeah, had 784 Wildcat, Borderline Theatre coming doing shows in your school. My teachers would meet us at the Glengarnock station on a Saturday morning uh, to go to see opera. Bunch of hairy arsed school, <laughs> you know, Ayrshire schoolboys going down it. 11 o'clock in the morning to meet folk to go and watch the Amatni at the opera in Bali. Uh, our head up, they used to take us to Edinburgh Fringe to go and see plays and the Fringe and stuff. So there was a big investment. The teachers were hands on. So I took that into my workspace. Mm. We went to the theatre, started going to the Citizens, everything that came out, Citizens, Mitchell's Theatre. We went to everything that we could possibly go. I was, uh, what? <laughs> it was so ridiculous when I think back. Took 120 people to a uh, uh, Mitchell Theatre pantomime one time. Two 50-seaters and a 25-seater. Honestly, ridiculous. Only lost two folk. <laughs> it was, it was, and I, 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 honestly, that was my attitude because I was thinking these folk are sitting in 40 bedded boards. They're never leaving. There's maybe one or two staff on at night. There's 40 folk, 40 folk in three, three tiers or uh, three floors of um, bed. You know, and doing nothing, I thought, might as well go and do stuff. Mm. Go to the theatre, go and see, go to the pictures, go to the football. And how know. did you fund things like that? Well, that was hard. We did a lot of fundraising. 
because I only when we started off in the well, about 85, 86 or something like that, it was five, a fiver a week. So what, my staff, we used to do five fundraising events a year, and we used the fundraising events to go to pantomimes, uh, to do camping holidays, to do youth hosteling holidays and stuff like that. So we did the West Island Way uh, three times, uh, with nothing, next to nothing. We just fundraised ourselves and uh, headed off. We, got, we had supported one time, one time from the hospital management to get support. So we were taking like eight patients out to do the West Way, four inpatients, there was always four inpatients, four day attenders. So people who were community based and people who, some people had never been in holiday since they came into hospital and been, maybe been in hospital 30, 40 years. So to me that is the sense similar level of creativity. We're going and making camp, uh, every day having responsibility. Uh, to get wood for the fire and clean the stuff and up in the morning set the camp and uh, packing stuff away and that. It was the same attitude as just doing art projects. It's, uh, it's the same skills, it's the same mentality of teamwork and stuff. So. And what about for, so that was then you maybe did your own self-fundraising, but did it ever get easier? Was there ever opportunities to get funding from kind of external organisations or...? A lot of people in reach, you know, so some of the stuff, uh, when we've worked in conjunction with other resources, when they get funding for something, they'll come and uh, seek us out because uh, because they see the potential uh, for working with us and the need of the client group that we work with. And uh, so it's a reciprocal thing. It's an opportunity for people to come in and work in those areas with good staff support. And it's also brilliant for us that we're given these... Uh, sort of really diverse interactions with, for, 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 uh, for our client groups mm-hmm. and, yeah, and real opportunities and, yeah. and also a great example Glasgow Women's Library uh, Maggie Gibson uh, was a writer in residence five or six years ago came and did uh, 15 sessions in recreational therapy at Levendale and what, we did about 15, 20 pe- women, it was only a women's group every night and a lot of those women still, like that was four or five years ago, and a lot of those women still go to Glasgow Women's Library events and mm-hmm. activities, and I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that it wasn't just a, wasn't it just a project, it's a project for life, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's changing people's behaviour forever kind of thing, you know. Yeah. So. And is there any um, people that you specifically try and focus, like when they come into the hospital, is there anybody that you'll, I don't know, make sure that they definitely come down to the art centre or is it just pretty much welcome for everybody? Yeah, anybody's welcome into RT but if we were doing something specific we would try to focus on the groups with the most need or are going to get the most benefit or so that could often quite often be a lot of times single resources would get this kind of funding and it would just be a hit or miss whereas we look we because we have a kind of community centre environment we can look around the hospital and see people who would actually value or, or get the most benefit from mm. being involved. And they might not know that, but you're trying to encourage them to come along. So, like, uh, there's like three or four, there's, there's four acute wards uh, where it's short term admissions. We might do, so if the, the, the group was in a focus way, like, uh, the, the focus of the group was such that people could drop in, drop out that they didn't have to sit and be part of some constructive thing for the whole day, you know, a whole day session or something like that. There was, there was a bit more fluidity and a bit more flexibility about the groups. Then we think, all right, that's great. 
we'll use that for the acute sessions. And if it's a 12-week project, it means it doesn't matter if people leave within three or four weeks, other people can come in and take those places. So we can kind of have a t continuous group. It might not all be the same people. But if it was like something that was more like had a like at the performance piece or something like that, I was talking about at the CCA with village storytelling, then it had to be people, the, the core group of people who were performing, it made more sense for it to be people who were going to be about. So it might have been day attenders or people who were more uh, resistant, uh, are more resistant to treatment that are going to be about the hospital for a bit longer. Mm. Uh, but, fun, but some of the acute folk got involved in that and dropped back in to do it as well. So that was, that was good as well. Because you've got that resource, for something like that, that people are valuing, they don't need to just, when they're discharged, they can still drop back in and see the, see the, see the activity through. Mm -hmm. so, so assuming now like external groups and things that want to get involved have obviously heard about your work for years and then again might see a performance or see a piece of art, but previously when you just started, when was it, how, how was it that you managed to get people to come in and work with the hospital? Was that harder <laughs> or was it? Just going and chatting doors and yeah. being just being alert to opportunities and just seeing any freebies at all that was going. A great example was this relationship we have with Glasgow Museums. Um, it's amazing. They must have worked with hundreds of acutely ill patients at Levendale over the last 10 years or something, like literally hundreds of different people. I just happened to be at an arts meeting in Govan with plantation, uh, plantation down in Govan, and there was some sunny Govan folk there and all that. But there was also this guy called Crawford McGuigan, who was uh, who worked with Glasgow Museums, and he says, "Oh, I think I could help. I think I've got a few ideas." So Crawford comes down to our men's health event that we do, and I've been using Glasgow Museums for about thirty years. Uh, they have handling boxes, and it's all about art, things to do with tenement life or football, and you get these boxes out, and it's real museum items and stuff. So, but I never realised the, the actual potential of the working with the group. And Crawford said, ah, well, he's, ha he's having a men's health kind of thing. He could come down and support that. So Crawford and Claire come down uh, from Glasgow Museums. They've got original Peter Housens, which they put on the wall, and they're talking about the interactions, uh, uh, people's response to mental health and how it expresses itself in art. And he gets, uh, he brings all these different mediums down, like, uh, um, what do you call it, iPads and stuff, and people are drawing on iPads and doing free, free sketching, doing portraits. Yeah, yeah. And he combined all these portraits into a huge poster, beautiful poster, and uh, used it as a uh, exhibition at uh, the Pollock Civic Realm. Uh, and people had so, and that was the start of it. I mean, we had 50 people at a sort of, um, a, what do you call that? World Cafe event, you know, where you set up all the tables and there's no pressure on people to participate. So he just came and got involved, asked people to draw portraits. We had an art exhibition out of it, and that initiated a contact that meant, like, for the next 10 years, we've been doing constructive workshops at the tramway, at Glasgow Museums, where we had people coming in and going into care of the elderly areas, into long term care areas, and providing art materials, art activities, art information. Mm. I just love that. And it's, it's like a lot of these people may not have the ability or be in a, a position to go to museums. So they come in, take in their handling boxes, share space with them, come in RT, do some of the project work. We go out to the pods to visit the huge pods, like 95% of 
what's available for Glasgow Museums is at the Glasgow Museum Resource Centre in these 17 pods. So we take the patients out and we visit pod after pod and get people back into the idea that arts are for them, mm. really, you know, that they can engage with this process. And, and then from that, we were going to modern art up to Mongo's. We were doing do everything, mm. basically, you know. So it's just about giving people opportunities to be more aware of what's in directly in their environment and their community as well. It's a huge part of it. So. It must be good as well to be able to see the initial impact and then also the long-term impact, like you were saying about those women going to oh, Glasgow Women's yeah, Library yeah. more frequently when they left as well. But do you find that a lot of the patients like to upkeep their kind of their artistic skills that they've developed? Or? There's, there's, a core, there's core groups everywhere, yeah, definitely. And there's people that go on, uh, you know, like there's different wee uh, enclaves all about the city, you know, uh, like Plantation and uh, uh, the Beads and Blether down there and uh, there's different art, art and prescriptions and stuff. There's, there's wee satellites all over the city that you, no matter where people come from to the hospital, whether it's in Paisley or Glasgow or in, the, you know, out to Budsby and all these different places, we've got that information that there's these we put those those connections. So mm-hmm. the, these activities reflect what you've been doing here. You can do that. You can go to that because you've proved it. You're doing it here. Mm-hmm. So it's just about building up the confidence and uh, the knowledge, the the, the the breaking down the fear and the, and the perceived stigma of people feeling they're not going to be included in those groups. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's just going along with them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the hospital staff, occupational therapy, nurses go with people prior to discharge to project ability, to flourish house, to uh, restart different resources about the about the town and help them and you know, initiate in those activities in the community. So mm. that's that's great work as well. I do mm. love that. Yeah. And we do the bit foundation stuff, you know, so they might not have done anything at all and they come along to RT and get started and then you can see them being transferred on to you know, you can see them flourish and, and, and move out. It's mm-hmm. great. I really love that. And what do you think it is with art that is just so, like, helpful and impactful for people with mental health illness? Well, it, it allows for people to work on their own, be individual, and uh, when sometimes they need that space and the time to themselves. But also it helps them to interact with others as well if you give them group opportunities to share their or get involved in a group project so that they're not feel they're feeling less isolated and they can practice and develop skills whilst they're in hospital. You wouldn't expect to you just kind of think you come into hospital, get medicated and get back out. Mm. But you can actually come in and do something nurturing and valuable and something that reconnects with your own sense of yourself and your own sense of self worth and uh, increase your confidence and because uh, the amount of the amount of rubbish that folk talk around about a table when they're doing these things but I love the silence but I also love the, the, the you know I love it when people when there's a, a focus you open up the room and I walk into the room where the art activity is going on and there's that quiet that people are really engaged in something mm. I really love that but I also love it when we go in at the break and everybody's talking and sharing each other's work and making suggestions and stuff and it's, it's, a, it's building up people's resilience because you don't go to project ability and everybody go that's lovely, that's good. You know, folk will go, what are you doing? You know, and you've really got to have that balance. Mm. You can't just 
you know, pat folk in the head mm-hmm. uh, and tell them they're doing great. You've got to challenge what they're doing, you know. So even with the writing group, uh, even if people aren't very skilled, they'll say, what do you think you would change about that? What would, what, what would make that better? Is there, is there anything, anybody else here think anybody any suggest? So it's not a kind of threatening thing, it's a support thing, but also to increase that resilience. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you want to go to a writing group and you leave here, People might not be as nice as us, you know. It's like a, a reality, a wee bit, a wee bit of re, reality checking as well, mm-hmm. you know. And um, what do you see for like your centre or RT and leaving there when, like, in the next few years? Oh, I'm retiring, so that's, I'm terrified. That, so you know, if they keep the, I, I don't care what they do as long as there's a uh, art, uh, education, and physical well-being mm-hmm. aspect to it. You know, because our programme during the week's football, swimming, tai chi, so that's a physical. Loads of learning opportunities. We also have tutors coming in to support learning and stuff. And uh, art, as I say, available. And I've got an art. And this is it's about the people as well, having the skills. You know, like uh, within my team, they might be healthcare assistants or they might, it doesn't matter who they are, but like I've got an artist, I've got people who specialise in football coaching, I've got an art, uh, a musician, uh, uh, just a new who's just new to it. So he's bringing another dimension to the group. He's going into wards, sitting down with folk, recording them, making their own songs up, making them into MP3s, sending them back to them an email. And, like, they're in a PICU. They're in a locked ward, you know what I mean? They're, they're, not, they're not being going out for anywhere for seven or eight weeks, and he's he's done a, he's recorded a, a song with them. You know? <laughs> I, I really love that. I really mm. get a massive kick out of that. Mm. Uh, and just... Uh, just the inspirational aspect yeah. of that that people just see it and do it can do it you know like in some of my staff will just sit around the table and uh, with bare minimal equipment they've got five or six different things going on mm-hmm. uh, in different tables so for me retaining though that welcoming attitude you know like uh, people feeling valued when you walk into a space that's what I hope for more than anything that there's a resource a community centre type resource uh, where the clinicians in your head, not in your behaviour, you know, and that people are met as people, not as patients, and are valued for their strengths, not for the difficulties they might be causing, for the service or for the ward or for staff or for doctors, that they're valued for, oh, you can draw a wee bit, can't you? Or you're really good in the guitar, <laughs> you know, so you can, it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's just wee connections in, you know. Mm-hmm. And what do you see happening kind of out with like therapy environment with art and mental health? Do you feel like that's Oh, I find it frustrating. I'm always falling out with folk about this because of that poverty safari thing, you know, uh, uh, Darren McGarvey thing, you know, mm. like he's saying about people in reaching into communities and providing art and the art as they see it kind of thing. And I really would love the money to be invested in artists that are already there. And however they, however... You know, dysfunctional that might be, but start from there. You know, it could be there with our patient group. You know, oh, I can't do this. I can't. Oh, this is rubbish. No, I, I, oh, actually, this is changing now. So I'd rather people come in and work with folk in communities and started to build art projects from within music or whatever. They're doing quite a lot in Paisley and stuff. I mean, there's some brilliant, brilliant. Uh, ideas going about, you know, and people are, are, are uh, trying to start from a basic level and, and try to introduce these things, and uh, but I always feel it's a bit of the practitioner in some of the art that's mm. created, you know, and I find that really frustrating. 
that so much is invested and so much money spent on not a not a long term value, if you see what I mean. Mm -hmm. You know, that people have things happen to them for that wee while and then it's then it's gone. Rather than say, let's build this and you own it. Mm -hmm. You know. Like a community art project that has that, that retains its funding throughout the year, that you can drop into a writing group every week, you can drop in to do art every week or every day or whatever, rather than just twelve weeks or eight weeks or six weeks to do this or so because especially the people I work with, they need some level of continuity, they need some level of engagement and sense of purpose and sense of connection to things that you don't get in six week blocks. Mm. So, but you don't want to disable people by giving too much, and but and, and make leaving people feeling entrenched and isolated from other resources. You know, like they feel this is the only place they can do that. So it's a bit of a bit of both. Mm. You know. but <laughs> okay, that's cool. I think we feel like we've covered probably most of the themes that we've got down here. But if there's anything else that you feel like I've missed. Yeah, there's, there's a huge thing about um, the stigma and stuff. I get quite frustrated because, like, uh, there's, there's a whole... Since I started, nothing I've been really fanatical about creating down stigma and stuff, but also accepting that uh, that it's, it's a real thing, you know? So there's a lot more acceptance of change and uh, acceptance of mental health issues and that. But, I mean, in, for example, mental health nursing, it's brutal if you're a nurse in mental health. You know, it's not. You're seen as you definitely seem to be weak. Not by everybody, but it's be very hard for you to express your illness and say that you were suffering illness within your work environment because people would not be supportive of that. It's really surprising. Do you think it's stronger in the care roles because of the fact that they they see you your role being a role where people depend on you? Yeah. Yeah. There's that expectation as well. Your patients would never expect their practitioners to be ill. You know, mm. uh, that's 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 a that's a bit that's a inverted stigma. You know, that, uh, this this kind of this is this we own this illness yeah. kind of thing. You know, do you think it would be helpful for patients to understand that like their carers or their nurses? Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not. Mm -hmm. You know, because you want to feel. Uh, you don't want to go and think that your mechanic's no fixing your car very appropriately if, you, if he's no well, you know. <laughs> yeah, our schizophrenic mechanic fixed your car. He's not been very well, but <laughs> check the bolts, will we? <laughs> yeah, wouldn't they? <laughs> so there's two sides to that, you know. So I get frustrated with people who are uh, a bit of a banner weaver myself, I must say, but uh, who banner weave about equity and stuff like that. But equity means taking your place in the workplace and like me going to your work every day for 39 years whether you're ill or whether you're real or you know whether, and, and getting on with it and not expecting that you're going to be result I'm not this sounds as if I'm against people getting uh, uh, benefits or something I'm, I am I'm sorry I'm so not but I'm thinking hey, you know, you're advocating you're advocating you stand up for this then there's a lot of responsibility comes with that you can't just say uh, yeah equal rights for people with psychosis and then say oh, that, that, that wasn't me, I'm ill that's, you know, so it's dead hard, it's dead hard to get the balance right mm. you know, uh, so I'm breaking down stigma, that's, that's the thing I, I don't think it's ever going to happen that never. It's never gonna, I don't think it's ever going to 
I don't think things are ever going to be stigma free. Uh, and even more, and the more confident I got for the last 10 or 12 years, it's been diminished now with this kind of cat call society we've got just the, uh, the Brexit, independence, or whatever, you know, and people becoming more racially intolerant. That, that, that's not just about race. That won't just be about race, or it'll be about disability, and it'll be about everything else. Mm. And so there's a less compassionate feel mm. about things, and it'll regress again. And we'll have to start clambering back up and fighting it again. You know. Yeah. What do you think about the like public discussion of that though? Because it gets very. In some ways, there's a lot of like PC discussions where nobody wants to really just say this is actually what's happening and these are the things that are wrong and let's call it out and it might sound a bit harsh written down in paper yeah. but if you don't speak about it then it's not going to be discussed at all and then on the flip side people that online can just be just be so aggressive Malibu. towards one another Yeah. so where is that middle ground do you think for, I feel like any sort of form of breaking down stigma has got to be somewhere in the middle yeah Oh, this is a thing I was, uh, I've been at, you might imagine, I've been to loads of Scottish Mental Health Arts Festival uh, kind of events, and I'm constantly bang on at these, and the guys that run the service will tell you, um, Rob and Gail and all that, they're always saying, you can't be prescriptive about the political background, you've got to get the Tories in, you've got to get wee Ruth to come along, it's no point, uh, can, you know, you speak, speaking to convert it as, like folk like myself left the centre, very driven about mental health rights and uh, always been connected to uh, trying to improve people's levels of independence and that. So, and protect our disability benefits and all this kind of thing. You know, half the time at least, we're not in charge. Half the time it's Tories. And I don't believe that every Tory or every right wing person doesn't have a good view of how important it is to provide good mental health mm. so you've got to seek their people out and make sure that they represent within their uh, organisation so that they're supporting a change within right wing politics that are is more empathetic towards people who are struggling mm -hmm. you know, or suffering or whatever mm -hmm. and there's, the people are out there you know, uh, it's just that they're not always in charge of these resources mm. you know, so I always feel going along a lot of events all my life I've went to these events and it's all been people like me that's there and uh, that's not good we've got to get the other 50 or uh, 40 50% of people involved you know mm. and uh, so I was always going on about getting because somebody like Ruth Davidson I don't like for me I do not like her politics or anything but she's a bit of a character she's quite bubbly and she speaks to mental health quite well I think you know and uh, to make it a cross-party, you know, in Scotland, we could easily make that a cross-party concern. You know, it doesn't have to be owned by anybody. Cross-party concern to do with health, or to do with mental health, mm. and combating stigma, and having Tories turn up at these events, you know, not just left the SNP type folk, you know. So uh, Why do you think it's not like that? Do you think it's just years... Oh, it's, it's just a battle line, isn't it? You know, this is what we're for. We we support these people. You support their people, and it's uh, and there's plenty of people who are high achievers. I meet them all the time. Play the hospitals, who are engineers and um, 
footballers and um, oh, everybody, you know, everybody comes through the door. So it's not, there's no respecter of uh, who you are or what job you've got. So there must be potential for a unified response to uh, kind of ghettoised mental health, you know, and that um, uh, disabled, benefit driven, junkie, you know, the negative terminology. Nutters, junkies, whatever you know, and uh, and it's so much broader, and mm. you know, so the potential for working together. I can't really imagine Dominic Rahab or Boris. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe it may surprise you the people that would uptake. Yeah, but there's got to be much more. Um, the cultural change's got to come, got to come from within your community. You've got to embrace other people and. If, you've, if you're anti-immigrant or if you're anti-this or you're anti-that or you're anti-Brexiteers or whatever, that's not a good place to start when you're dealing with things like mental health, you know. That shouldn't be an issue associated with that, you know. Great example, the last few days, Hindus, uh, you know, spiritual leaders, uh, Jewish, uh, Muslim leaders, uh, going on about uh, how you, who you should and shouldn't vote for. I'm like, jeez, oh, I mean, what is going on here? These are guys that are meant to be leading their community, not making judgments about politics and providing support and uh, stability in people's life and giving them uh, guidance and you know emotional and spiritual guidance and stuff like that. Mm. Like, that that's so wrong, you know. Uh, uh, that's 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 worry when you see that. Do you think there's a way that community art can really make a dent with stigma? It's so left of centre a lot of the time, you know. So, uh, as I say, uh, how do you get people in? Mm. I think just generally, well, in Scotland there is a kind of left of centre culture, probably 60, 40, whatever. So it's, it's quite successful in Scotland. I think a lot of community art projects or uh, mental health-driven anti-stigma projects are really well observed and attended and supported. And with things like the Scottish Mental Health, uh, arts festival that gives you a forum for that as well it gives you a political identity and something that's looking at not just art and creativity but social justice and representation and fighting stigma in an active and imaginative way that is, that is appealing and uh, interesting and even if you don't agree with it it's, uh, it's, it's challenging your own prejudice about uh, things what about even with like patients, family and friends that come to any of the shows? Do you ever get feedback from them about... Total shock. They're in total shock. When they come to our event, they're in total shock. Honestly, could not, they're in disbelief about their level of uh, activity, apart from uh, the level of ability, just the level of activity and the engagement and the, you know, the, that their relatives and stuff have been doing stuff that they've been doing that creating things that they just never imagined they'd ever be involved in and uh, that's, that's extra special mm. when folk uh, when folk are confident imagine people being confident enough to bring their family into a mental health resource and and, and, and look forward to that and enjoy it and feel uh, relaxed and at ease with that you know mm. be pleased to meet uh, my staff or uh, other hospital staff that get involved in the different projects, you know, that are happy to see them, because uh, that, that's, that's rare, mm-hmm. can I share you? <laughs> Not a lot of people like to, their family to share time with their mm-hmm. practitioners, you know. 
Do some people find it quite um, helpful to express to their family through ARP what they'd experienced either prior to being in hospital or being in hospital? That can work both ways. I mean, so some real hefty stuff goes on in that writing group, you know. So it's, it could be could possibly be quite damaging if it was shared, you know. And quite often times um, people represent it uh, anonymously, you know. So they just they share their work anonymously because they don't want their family to think it's about them or they don't want their partners to think it's about them. So that's that's I think that'd be I think that's not just exceptional to people with mental health or anything in general <laughs> or a wee or a wee bit like that, you know. Uh, but yeah, yeah, no, but I do think it can, it can be really helpful. Mm. I think it can be really, um, oh yeah, it, it can it can be really energising to be able to, exp and it can be really quiet. It can be something really quiet. Like, you know, people are saying like, we did we had we had this thing a couple of years ago where we were doing uh, mindful colouring. I thought it was a lot of rubbish, you know, and I didn't, <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, the uptake for that is amazing. Still is, you know. The people just come in and it just seems to give them a chance to centre on something. It's relaxing and and it's and people value the time out and stuff like that. I never realised the actual potential of something as simple as colouring in mm. to provide so much relief and release. And so it doesn't need to. Be, you don't need to be for for to do art. Um, don't need to have any skill whatsoever. You can it just it's just about centering you in the moment at that time and how you feel at that at that time and just being able to express yourself or to take yourself out of yourself for a wee while. It's dead obvious when you see the guys in our place. And we've got people who are their illness is uncontained, they're expressing things all the time, sit down and colour in for an hour. And I just think that's just like that's almost like eight hours sleep for some of these guys, you know. Uh, having this frenetic, um, accelerated thought thinking and uh, and uh, no peace from their thoughts, and to just see relax and do something for an hour is, is so rewarding. Mm. It's just a simple thing, you know. It's just a simple wee thing. Do you ever find that throughout, I don't know, maybe like three years or however long it might be, there are themes that keep coming up with pa different patients, and it could be maybe how they've perceived their own mental health <coughs> and the ideas around maybe their illness and then how they've expressed it on a page and then the ideas have changed throughout society and then that's changed their art? Mm. Or is that maybe a bit too <laughs> disjointed? Yeah. yeah. That's an interesting one. Yeah. I see people reflecting on where they were themselves more than the outwardly. Right. So if they've created a piece of work, they say, oh yeah, that's when that's... Remember I had that going on and this is going on and that's why I did that. Uh, I'm not sure about... Are you thinking of societally? Can thinking I, like, about more like self-stigma. So if they've come in with a self-stigma, say they've been diagnosed with schizophrenia and they've got an idea of what that is in the sense of the word and then they've got an idea of what it means for them. Is there any difference when, throughout the years, like how stigma's changed with that word? How it's then being expressed through that? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, you could see that uh, people uh, having sort of dark ideas and isolation, and then you can see them progressively getting better and feeling less attached to that. 
and maybe trying different things and still be aware of that, still reflecting on that, but seeing themselves apart from that as well. Right, okay. they've, they've, there's a distinct change. That, mm. you know, that's where it was and this is where I am now, kind of thing. You know, no, mm. I see that quite regularly, especially like in the writing group or something like that, where you're where you're, you're working from uh, people closed and having difficulty to writing expansively and. And then when they when you say, well, well look at that one last year, this is what you thought, you know, I'm going like, that's <laughs> you know, like that's rubbish. Uh, this is oh, God, what was I like then? <laughs> you know, it's, uh, uh, so there's an actual physical res- representation of where they were at that time. You know, so uh, you can see pathways of wellness definitely uh, in people's writing and stuff. There's a lot of people. I mean, Self harm is, is really it's. It's really high, you know. There's a high level, uh, and a lot of people who uh, who suffer from particular diagnoses and like borderline personality disorder. There's a lot of self, self, self might be a lot of self harm involved in people's presentation. Quite often, these people are not all of them that be totally rubbish to say that, you know. But a lot of people are really expressive and they like to do art activities and. I think it's such a relief to be involved in something that's not, they're not taking, they're not investing on their own body or their own thinking of their own self, that they're, they've got an outward expression, something enjoyable and tangible when they're uh, getting involved in art activities. Because there's quite a high prevalence of people with emotional dysregulation just now, you know. Mm. And a lot of young, young people coming into the hospital with, with real difficulties regarding that. And uh, it's not just about talking, it's about doing something constructive. So oftentimes they come along and do artistic activities is, is, is possibly the most meaningful part of their treatment. And uh, reconnecting with themselves and formulating their ideas and exploring how they're feeling. Uh, so it can be a really, really efficient way. Um, and a long way, obviously other psychosocial support or psycho- psychologi- uh, you know, like psychological service support that embellishes their life and claims a wee bit of themselves back. Mm. So I see that a lot. What about staff or yourself? Do you guys have things that you do that are like maybe artistic based, like if you've had a bad day or whatever, you'll go home and... Well, in my team it's dead, dead obvious because there's eight, eight, well, there's usually eight in the team we're, we're just recruiting again just now. We've got sewers, uh, tapestry makers, uh, football players, swimmers, um, musicians. We've got five staff who are art mad. We've got an artist, but we've got other four staff on top of that that are always doing projects uh, to do with mindfulness or mindfulness and walking and bringing rocks back and decorating rocks and doing, doing, doing kind of hands-on uh, decapatch or making jewellery or, you know, so there's... Within the team, there's people who are just self-initiating, mm. and uh, with and a lot of people within our patient group will come bring ideas as well. So that's that, that, I, I'm going to really miss that. I don't know, you know, me the people I work with who are near retirement and stuff, they're going holiday or something like that, and say, oh, I've seen this up in. Uh, put pit and lean and we'll come back with it, you know, and say, look, we can do this. <laughs> and, uh, and it becomes a project or, or they see something. Uh, well, we, oh, I was in Sky with my partner and uh, uh, there was a red thread thing. There was, there was this art, wee art exhibition with 
bicycle wheels that were hanging from red thread and this correlated to an idea uh, that this member of staff had about red thread being that invisible thread that connects us all. So when we did our SMATH thing, we had red thread running. Every every single piece of work had, was touched by the red thread right all the way through our resource. Uh, and we had a big saying up about that, that was stitched and everybody came along did a stitch on it and stuff like that. And I just oh, I thought, God, where are we going to go with the ideas? We come across those ideas, if they stop working, where am I going to go with those? Because there's been a, such a welcoming sort of response, you know, within patient groups, within art groups, within writing groups, within the staff team. Oh, I've got this idea, you know, put it on the table. Why? Oh, Another example of that, on the back of the women's group, we, because we did a wee survey and we found that there wasn't enough activities, that people wanted women-only activities. So we did the Glasgow Women's Library thing. Straight after that, we did an applique group, and it was 15 people who had never stitched, sewn, never used sewing machines. We've got this huge, big applique thing, and everybody had their own square. There's a big sunburst in the middle. I walk into my work every day, and I look at that, and I think, I don't freaking believe that, you know? And everybody designed their own square, and had their own idea for it. Or at the, at the door, uh, when we come. See, this is a big thing for me as well. It's visible art. It's shared, it's out there. As you walk into our department, there's three big panels that were designed by uh, Louise that I work with. And we had 50-odd people were involved in doing the undercoat. For the, the guys that did the undercoat to the guys that put the, fastened them to the outside wall, there was 50-odd people. I think it was 53, 54 people involved. So it was people from Care of the Elderly Wars coming in and drawing a wee flower or a uh, dragonfly or stuff like that. It's absolutely beautiful, I love it. And... Uh, walking in my work every day and I'm like fuck <laughs> this, is, this is brilliant you know the sense of community uh, is there for everybody to see it's not it's an atypical hospital setting to see some nice patient driven art so many projects are done by artists mm. but to see people conceive this from within your, your your patient group come up with ideas and see it through to this these three panels you know I love that mm. I love that more than anything we actually did an artist come in, did five panels in the uh, acute ward. Everybody hated them. They're huge as well. Don't know, about eight feet by four feet or something like that. We've already had two along to the RT. We've had artists along from the ward and the pack, uh, patient activity uh, nurse uh, and uh, artists along from the ward to redesign two of the boards already. And I love that, you know, you know. And I don't know how many people were involved in those boards, loads, maybe 30, 40, maybe more, uh, conceiving them. And they're going to be huge, big uh, seasonal representations along the wall. And it's just lifted the whole environment in the, in the ward. It's just beautiful. You know? <laughs> the, the painting might be naive, or might, some it's beautiful and some it's more naive because it's reflecting everybody's, the different abilities of different artists that have been involved. I even like that. I love that. If anybody's coming into hospital, maybe people are repeated missions over a few years and they come back in and go, I didn't know that wee bit. Mm. You know, there's a wee bit of connection to that as well. It's, your time wasn't wasted the last time you were in hospital, remember you did that? Yeah. <laughs> that was good. And so, is there absolutely nothing else similar to your hospital anywhere in Scotland? There, there will be things that are similar, but I mean, I've worked, I've, because I've worked in national tournaments and I used to work in inter hospital leagues, so. All through central, I worked with different groups all through Scotland, playing uh, football, doing 
bowling, indoor and outdoor bowling, doing walking activities and stuff like that. And they don't have the, they have elements, but they don't have the other elements. Mm. Whereas we've got, we've been able to maintain these elements st stable for 30 odd years. Mm. Uh, and there was, well, there was activity going on long before I was there, but the, so yeah. I think the community centre thing is so essential to a hospital that there's that people can feel they're walking out with a clinical area, not realising they're in a clinical area. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They're being assessed and mm. being supported, and we're writing notes about what they're doing or whatever, and not 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 really engaging with that. You know, uh, just treating you like a, another person within their life. You know, so no, no. Uh, I think it, I, I really think it's having somewhere to go that's not just somewhere to go that something's going to happen when you get there mm. might be a conversation might just be a blur maybe sitting playing a guitar and learning a new song or you might be watching your favorite music on youtube or you might be you know like it's it's about what you want to do because mm. uh, mm. anywhere else in care you're really being guided uh, a lot of the time mm. you know whereas you come into our resource and it's like you know, I want to do this. You mm -hmm. know, I really love that sense of ownership yeah. of your own time in hospital. Yeah, I like that. That's good. <laughs> nice. Well, if there's anything else before we finish up, feel free to. to no, go I kind of think because I've, I've honestly I've done hundreds of things over the years. You know, it's just like played. We had a eleven side team playing mainstream. Uh, Paisley League football, you know, so we only allowed three staff to play out of 14 players, you know, and that was creative <laughs> because we were going down to Fergus Lee and Todd Holm and all that, and the guys were like, kick hell at you. And that was a, I was a nurse on the back with, you know, eight other patients, and we were just like, okay, he's up for this. <laughs> it's like, it was really challenging. Or even simple things like we go swimming every week. And standing uh, naked next to your your patients. How many practitioners do that? Or when going in the sleeping in sleeping bags next to each other in the West Island Way, under canvas for uh, four or five nights, mm -hmm. uh, and just having that level of intimacy that you would never have with your patients. And I think that's it's a similar level of intimacy when you're doing art projects. You might not be naked, and you might not be sleeping together, but yeah. You're sharing that it's really gentle, and mm -hmm. folk have got to be a tolerant of others and appreciative of their, their need for space and interact in a way that's not only creative but productive and respectful and all that. So, really, everything's in that art group, you know, everything's in those art activities. You know, you see three or four folk come along with the ward, ad hoc, wanting something to do, and uh, Louise or Ali or that gets sort of bunch of stuff and sits in the middle of the table and people just sit down and do something. Oh, just if the relief is tangible, you know. Mm. Oh, right, okay. Got away with something. Oh, can I make one for my, 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 my grandmains coming up the night? Can I make something? Mm. Yeah. Can I send a letter to, you know, like sending cards to people staying connected with folk when you're in hospital, thanking them for helping them or thanking staff in the ward or something like that. Being able to sit down and do a high quality card and bring it along and show your appreciation for stuff. It's all those wee tiny threads of things that that are that are essential, you know. That's 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 a constant high for me. Do you find people get much more like open as well as as the 
come along more frequently. Oh, definitely. For yeah. God's sake. I mean, I mean <laughs> people just come along at first and they're really suspicious and they're really intimidating. They're quite threatening sometimes. They're, they're abrasive or fed up or whatever. And just saying, I really, you know why to sit down for five minutes? You know why to try this? You why, what is it you like? You know? And so maybe somebody will say, oh, some hip hop music or something. Oh, wait a minute, I'm, I'm going to get the. Uh, laptop, I'll go and get a uh, tablet and I'll, come on, I'll show you some. Have you seen this South African stuff before? You know, like right away you're, you're expanding things, you know. Mm. Or oh, you like Tupac, but have you ever heard South African? Have you ever heard French? Have you ever heard Scottish rap music? Do you know what I mean? So you're, you're being inventive with your time and you're trying to get that creative spark within folk, you know, that will encourage them to try, you know, enthusiastic about trying stuff, you know. And it's totally amazing some of the things that people have come in and thought they couldn't do anything and utterly brilliant folk that have never expe- never knew they were capable of doing stuff, never knew they could draw or anything, you know. People are it's blind to people if you've not been encouraged or nurtured or your parents or your friends haven't been into stuff, you know. I was dead lucky all my mates were into going to theatre and seeing stuff that wasn't seen as a poofy, uh, you know, snobby thing today in the seventies. It was seen as, aye, let's go and see that. Aye, <laughs> uh, Hamlet is set in a psychiatric ward at the Citizens Theatre. That sounds brilliant. David Heyman, magic, let's go. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It was like we were all up for it. You know, mm. we're all just scheme boys, but we're all like, oh, that was amazing, wasn't it? So I've always had that feeling that my teachers did that. So when I went into uh, that nursing environment where I was encouraging people to go and access art, I was telling them to see freaking everything, honestly. Valley. Uh, we were having people into the hostel, council for music, we have music in every month, people, musicians coming in every month just to perform, not to not to set up groups or that. Uh, just constantly being alert, going to we bespoke uh, uh, gigs, Kilbarkin and Glasgow, Glad Cafe, all that, just going down seeing stuff live. Oh, you've never done, what do you mean you've never been to a live gig? Come on, let's go, we're going next week. No, no, it's all right. No, come on. Just a couple of us are gone. Come on, we is. And uh, just getting people to join in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and art uh, is for you. Yeah. <laughs> it's, for, it's for everybody. Come on. <laughs> Bring Just dragging people into that environment, you know. Uh, bullying people into that environment. <laughs> bullying them into it. Because you'll never know if you don't go. You know, mm. this is that. And I always remember I was at the... Edinburgh Festival with a squad of people once and we're in the middle of St Giles Cathedral and I was going like uh, look at this, look at this brand new, it was at the time it was the Burns the big Burns uh, stained glass uh, design that's there and I was going what do you think of that Michael, what do you think of that it's amazing isn't it, he goes ah, you could go fucking mental with an air pistol here couldn't you, <laughs> and I was like right, ok <laughs> uh, you get grounded all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, aye, uh, yeah, aye. You've, you've got to take culture to people. Mm. Like I was saying about the, the Glasgow Museum's taking handling boxes into the wards. Well, this is get interested, you know. Don't lose sight of yourself. Um, Have you ever had anyone react really badly to a form of it? No, in like, oh, yeah. any way more Right groups, what? good, good, yeah, because yeah. like... Um, We've got a woman, woman that comes to our uh, art and writing group and she says art's easy because that's contained but her thinking 
is involved in the process and she writes utterly beautiful stuff. She, she wrote, uh, what was it called again? But she wrote, she wrote this piece last year about being in hospital with somebody who was quite aggressive and she was trying to negate that situation and work around that relationship. It's a beautiful, 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 beautiful piece. But she finds that really disturbing to write that, to, to recognise that in herself. And she had um, issues when she was young uh, and a lot of the time she writes around those issues and she finds that, oh, whilst it's beautiful, <laughs> what she's writing is amazing. Uh, she find that she can find that uh, uh, difficult and unhelpful. So it's a bit doesn't start off unhelpful, but can end up that way, <laughs> you know. So it's it's dead hard. Mm. Yeah, and, and when people are using uh, materials, that's less less noticeable. I think people are much more expressive, and even if they're angry or fed up, it's more contained. In the drawing or whatever, you know, it can, it's reflect, you know, they can reflect on how they were feeling or stuff like that. The writing seems a wee bit more intimate. Um, having said that, in the last few years I've seen some, I mean, some incredible drawings that folk have done that have been really disturbing and hard to show, hard to share. Yeah. Uh, so you wonder if that's valuable. Or if that's the can of worms, you know, that you're, you're just opening things that are unhelpful. Mm. You know, it's about knowing what to do when that happens, I suppose, you know, and where to take it and to recognise the. This is a big problem with practitioners and artists and all the rest, and not realising where their core strengths are and uh, allowing other people who are more expert in those areas to deal with, with what might come from that. So I think that's a really important point about. Uh, Working with people in mental health is uh, if you've got people who are skilled practitioners, uh, supporting those activities that can be helpful. I don't know, that sounds as if it's categorising or stigmatising, you know, <laughs> the thing I don't want to do, people with illness, but sometimes things come up in that. And I think it's really important to recognise the limitations of what they're doing with people and be supportive and, and being kind is not always just doing stuff. Sometimes it's about stopping doing stuff mm. and that's not always recognised, you know. It takes speciality skill to, to recognise that, I think. Don't make, why, make that sound too wanky, you know, you've got to have a, be able to, you know, because people can be self-directive and go to peer-led groups and do really great stuff. But, I mean, I've been in a lot of peer-led groups in the past, even when I was young. I, I was so... So fanatical about all these kind of things when I was young, I used to go along to everything. But I'd be going along to meetings like the Link Association meetings and stuff, and people would be saying, I don't take your medicine, it's no good for you, it does this to you and does that to you. And you're like, This is no, this is not helpful, you know. Uh, and you know, you're sitting in your hands, you know, at these meetings, and you're thinking, You could be sending that person into a long term uh, illness, you know, by, by interfering with their care and stuff. Mm. So those things can be really negative mm -hmm. in peer-led situations. Do you find that, sorry. No, no, I, I, I see a lot of really positive things happen along that. Mm -hmm. uh, different organisations, the Mental Health Network and Scottish Recovery Network and stuff like that. There's lots of really positive things happen along those lines as well. Mm -hmm. But um, 
who's responsible for it? <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> maybe that just reflects the accountability I've, I've known all my life and mm. nothing I'm thinking, all right, okay, what if this goes wrong? Because mm-hmm. you never know. You never know. Last, just at this time last year at Christmas, we were having a Christmas night out with the football. And the young guy has been coming to football for ages. Comes back to the RT, puts the stuff away, says to the he's about to head home. Doesn't go home, just goes down to the quiet side and jumps in the water. Do you know what I mean? Totally unexpected from his care team, from his support, from his contact with our service. Nothing. Nothing made us think that that, would, that was a possible outcome. Quite often that's the case anyway, you don't really think that's going to happen. Mm. I just think, well, how do you manage that? How do you manage that with really difficult situations? Maybe it's just the same anywhere, but that's that, that's a leveller. You know, that really makes you feel, yeah. you know, what do we miss? Oh, I'm there. What, could, what more could we have done? And all that kind of stuff. That's just natural. The unpredictability of it. Yeah, you know. That's a lot to live with when you're ill yourself, if you're reading groups and doing stuff. Mm. <laughs> but, uh, but I love the idea of people self-initiating when things happen. I really like that, that you don't need to have practitioners, you don't need to have nurses to, to lead activities that you're quite capable of finding resourceful people within, <laughs> within your, your own wee groups or whatever. You know? Do you think Glasgow is a like helpful city in that sense? Because it has so much going on all the time that like living in a big city like this, obviously there's the downfalls of can be quite isolating for people yeah. when they maybe come out of hospital. But do you think because there's so many different groups as well as just like pubs with open mics or a free art festival or whatever round the corner? I absolutely love Glasgow. I absolutely madly in love with Glasgow and all the all the the offers like that um, supported um, sort of um, supported activities and uh, art activities and that they can be the places are taken up by the same people all the time so there's it's hard to get into those activities because they're popular and people like them so they don't move on for them uh, so like Project Ability Theatre Nemo or these different activities you know they can be quite static or beads and blethers. It's quite hard to get into them because the people that are in them already value them. This is so hard. And that's why it's so hard in mental health because people are living a life of isolation and deprivation, so emotional deprivation and stuff. And suddenly they're with like-minded folk and supportive and they're kind and they enjoy what they're doing and they don't like to just be there for six weeks or 12 weeks. They would like that every week for the rest of their life if possible, you know, so... It's hard to manufacture and maintain that, and finance that, and resource that. Uh, so it's really hard to get people into activity as well. And sometimes there's a bar to that as well. So you've got to have a certain ability to get into some things, which is good at um, giving a focus for apps that's going to be good quality and support. You know, like giving people opportunities who are really skilled. It also means that other guys don't get. Chance to develop or whatever. Mm. Dead hard. I don't know. It's just a mishmash, isn't it? You know. Uh, so I, I go to writing groups, and uh, over the years I've been to three or four different writing groups, kind of continuously. And the, the attitude and the environment that everyone in the writing groups was different. You know, 
threatening, aggressive, abrasive to over, yeah, over positive, you know. <laughs> oh, that's really good, you know. To, uh, to just, you know, really, I just think, God's sake, if I had serious mental health issues and I was coming into this group that I'm sitting in, I would, I'd be hammered, you mm. know. I would not be able to do this. Mm. Uh, it would be too threatening and it would be too intrusive. So, uh, how do you balance that? How do you get a balance? You want people to get access to as much nurturing activities as possible. You know? Over your years of like practicing with like art therapy, has there been like findings or I don't know new ideas that have come out that has really surprised you, or or is that just a constant reviewing? No, it's kind of, it's, uh, it's surprising that what we already know from. Uh, our practice isn't it more common knowledge and even today I was listening to Nicola Meehan is it on Radio Scotland and she had she was she had somebody in talking about music and music and care for elderly care for uh, autism care for mental health and they were thinking they were talking about the playlist for life that's uh, part of elderly care where do you, do you know about that a playlist for life when people are start the dementia process they found that music's dead soothing, so they try to find out what their favourite 12 tracks are before they become more disabled, so and when they're in a more uh, chronic decline, they can sit and listen to music and enjoy it because it's familiar to them and stuff. So what's shocking is uh, every now and then there's peaks and troughs. There's a wee peak of interest in all this therapy, uh, music therapy and how important it is and art and all the rest of it. And then it died down again, <laughs> diminishes again and... Mm. There's not a focus on it, and then it starts to build up again. It's just cyclical. It's the same in every care setting, you know. Uh, it's uh, return to old values a lot of the time. You know, this was done like 40 years ago, and now we're doing it again. Uh, but I, but the, there's lots of harder evidence about music and uh, the value uh, of art. But it, it doesn't beat the anecdotal stuff of, you know, meeting somebody who's shown a lot of uh, disability who blossoms mm. when they're doing something. You know, it's, you can, it's hard to quantify that as a procedure or a treatment. Uh, but you can do it and you can reflect on it. And, you can, and I hate that. I hate that measurement thing, you know. Like, you've been, this has been measured now, right? How much better does that make you feel doing that? But it's a way of ensuring that you get to provide that resource. It's to evaluate it and have statistics, however inaccurate or whatever, but the statistics say <laughs> that, that I feel better after drawing that pussycat or whatever, then that, seem, that, seem to be, that, that might generate some funding for you, you know, which is terrible. Because we want to, when we meet folk in the service I work in, you, we don't want to make it seem as if people are being evaluated and it's, this is a technical thing. Every now and then it's a good thing, but to do it every, every time you do an activity, I, I just think that would be... Uh, it's like treating people like guinea pigs or something, you know, like... Uh, mm. uh, whereas I'm much more about the interpersonal communication aspect or art provision or activity provision, whatever, you know. Do you think there's like a, ge a general understanding that quite a lot of artists do suffer from some form of mental ill health? I, think I mean, even past artists like, like Van Gogh, for example. Aye. 
Peter Housen were pissed Peter out. Housen, yeah. Oh, anybody. John Burns are weirdo. Uh, but, you know, you could say about that, but anyway. Uh, I'm, I'm saying that jokingly, by no, the way. It's just, uh, I'm, not, I'm not, that's not, uh, but, yeah. And it's just a different mindset a lot of the time, you know. Uh, nobody thinks it's weird to train at football five days a week, six days a week, and practice crosses all the time. Mm. But if you're an artist, if you're seen to be the artist, people who's painting and then starting again, well, that's really weird. But they're just doing the same thing. They're just trying to get better at what they're doing, mm. you know. And a lot of the time, it's about the drive and the hidden motivation to do these things. That's why I love the art extraordinary stuff, uh, you know, like Adam Christie uh, finding rocks and chiselling out rocks and using glass to shape rocks and then leaving head sculptures all about this hospital environment and everybody's going, where the hell did they come for you, you know? I absolutely love that, you know? I love that people are just compelled for no reason. I mean, there's a, there's a guy that comes into the, our place just now and he just gets two sheets of paper and sits them out and starts drawing. And, like, there, there is a, there's a rhythm to what he's doing and it's really interesting and there's loads of wee, and there's loads of sayings and wee drawings and you know, cut out stuff. I just think he's just working. He's it's like a masterpiece, and it's crazy. You know, it's like a. He's, he just can't. He's just compelling. He there's no. There's no reason for him to do it. He's no. He's not an artist. He's not. Just comes in, gets pens out, and starts, and it, and something comes out of that. Mm. And I just think well, that's just like me. At night, I'll try and write for twenty minutes, just write poetry or a wee story or something like that. He's just doing the same. He's just doing the same. He's just come along and doing something that he just feels he has to do. Guys that do mosaic. Uh, guy, uh, uh, one of the women that came to one of the art extraordinary things was just like inspired, goes home, gets a shirt, paints her shirt, sticks on, wears it in, you know, and it's like totally amazing. You're like, what the hell? No, that's going a good chance that's going to be used as a. Uh, exhibit at Kelvin Grove and stuff, you know, so there's. <laughs> it's, I just, I, I love to see that from inspiration to creation kind of thing, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that answered what you're asking. No, <laughs> but, um, and yeah. do any of the patients ever find, like, I don't know, maybe after they've gotten into app through the, the recreational therapy, do they then kind of go off and find other artists that they kind of, I don't know, just. I've never heard about so-and-so before and I've just almost become a bit obsessed with their work or does does it kind of inspire them to go and do other research or... Great example. Again, I'm going to go on about this art extraordinary. It's only because we've been doing this for the last few years but we did this thing. There's a lassie, there's a woman, Mrs Johnson, up in uh, Uist who used to, which had a shell cottage, covered the place in shells and uh, she made shells with everything. She, she, she was compelled to do it. And we did a wee session on that. And people really engaged organically with that, started bringing shells to the department, painting them and drawing on them. And we've got that way. Then we had this idea, and I was going up to use. So I was going up to meet the lassie that owns a cottage. And uh, one of the staff had been doing stuff with. Uh, our grand uh, making shells and coloured shells and she gave us something to take up to put on because the, the, the new owner of the Shell Cottage House uh, Shell Bus Cottage House uh, is going to cover the, cover the cottage in shells again so now we've got this project where today we were sitting in Pollock Civic Realm with groups from Project Ability Leverndale, 
but, uh, there, but there was plenty of involvement, and the guys were early, but <laughs> the, 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 uh, some of the representation were there in some local community, and we're all sitting drawing shells, and we're going to package these shells up and send them to the shell cottage, and they're going to be on the, the wall in uh, South Uist, you know, and that, you know, so I love that, this interconnection thing, you know. And people have been really moved by this backstories to these artists and stuff, you know. Um, genuinely warm and coming up with ideas and trying to use their inspiration to do their own work. Mm. I really like all that stuff, you know. As well as looking, going out to see the... Yeah, like we were doing, like we did uh, when the Turner Prize was in Glasgow a few years ago, we, were, we did six workshops and we went into evaluate all the, the exhibits and all that and people were being asked to write their opinions about different things and all that and to make art similar to what they were what they were witnessing and to evaluate things and just a different dynamic and I loved all that as well you know because yeah, people come you're in an acute ward you don't really expect to go to the tramway and do workshops and meet artists and then go around and meet performers who are doing stuff you know and it's just a, it's a massive wealth of experience uh, from a situation you would think was not going to be nurturing, you know. So I really love that people have had the opportunity to try those things, even though they've been at their lowest point in their life, you know. Mm. So that's that's great. So I love that as well when we go along to maybe like we go along to Colbarkin Art Centre and we watch uh, American artists, singer-songwriters. Uh, maybe only four or five years go along and sit there and just really intimate meet the artists after it and people aspire to try stuff you know so if people are interested in music even if it's listening it might be playing going along and meeting other instrument, uh, other uh, musicians and uh, recognising the possibility of improvement and enjoyment from doing these things you know so rather than going to the big hydro huge events that are 130 quid to go and see the Rolling Stones or something like that, spend a tenner, go and see a wee band in Glad Cafe or something like that and <laughs> meet the folk after it, you know. Yeah. It's a more intimate and uh, communicative thing, you know, yeah. two-way thing. Uh, so I like all, the, like all those things and seeing value in that and working with staff that see value in that and uh, endorse it and come up with ideas all the time, you know. So... We go out a lot to lights of pant mines or theatre, citizens, drawing, whatever, go and see different stuff. So it's just about encouraging people to try stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Aye. <laughs> so did you take a lot of patients to the arts festival stuff there? Oh, well, we'd, uh, we'd, we'd uh, 140 folk come into every night, uh -huh. you know, and, uh, and through the week do different stuff. We had about, I don't know, hundreds of contributors. But yeah. We went out to, we usually get about five or six at things at least through the festival. I go out to a lot more. I mm -hmm. go to all the film stuff and I go to some of the talks and um, and uh, we go to the pre-events and stuff. The, uh, uh, what was it? What? Dust, Dust Everyday Life stuff. They do, they do pre-SMAF events where they talk about possible topics for the event and stuff so you can contribute to that as well uh, and where was it that you had yours was it in the hospital in the hospital you? yeah so i like that open doors people come in to visit mm -hmm. so that's essential for me you know that's all we used to do like fun runs and stuff in fets and we for about well 12 years in a row we did a fun run and we had like 500 600 people from the local community coming in running around Lever a five mile course from levendale 
and that for me was the same thing. It was about folk come in, don't be fear, don't be fear of these big places that are perceived with the tower and the austere buildings and all that. Come in and see. We draw stuff in here. We paint stuff. We do gardens. We've got panels out in the uh, along the hospital. There's wee uh, creative ventures going on all over the place in the wards and all the different wards and different volunteers come in to do different stuff, writing art. So there's a, a wealth of warm, compassionate activity going on here. It's not just about people being restricted and mm -hmm. their whatever you know preconceived ideas they have about uh, containment in hospitals. It's a wee bit different from that. You know. mm. Totally. <laughs> I love people coming in, and you know, even we did a um, the hospital did a meander for mental health. And we opened up uh, different areas uh, uh, to support that event. So we had uh, art activities and it was a walking activity, but we had art activities in it, RT and Tai Chi and head massage and stuff like that. And, and folk come in and saw the work that was displayed from the SMAF event and they were like, what is this place? I just stay across the road. I never knew you did these things in here. That's amazing. And so, yeah, we need, we need to come across the road to things, you know, come in, you know. Doing an event in a couple of months' time, come down and see it, <laughs> kind of thing, you know. Build the bridges, because there is so. I mean, there's still so much stigma. Uh, you know, people move into houses local to the hospital and then complain about the patients all the time. I complain about it, and I'm like, oh come on, mm. come on. I mean, and sometimes, you know, people are, you know, their complaints could be valid, but a lot of times they're not. A lot of times they're just. I don't know, they're just restless about the idea of patients walking about, mm -hmm. basically, you know. And uh, that's so cruel. It's yeah. <laughs> so unnecessary, unnecessarily yeah. cruel. There is occasions where people are maybe more unwell and they exhibit and think, yeah, in, in a way, you know, symptoms in a way that, that could be disturbing. Or, or, and sometimes people are being compassionate and they're saying, oh, look, there's a guy walking about there. I'm worried about him, <laughs> you know, like from, from their own perspective. But a lot of the time it is a wee bit us and them, you know. My daughter lives quite close to the hospital, and so some of the resident kind of activities she's been at, and she's like, wait a minute, you know, what are you saying? I've been getting into that hospital since I was two years old, you know, and blah, 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 uh, you know, trying to get put some context to it, you know. Uh, do you yeah. find that the new people will slowly come in, or, or do they like to oh, stay? No, I, I, I don't know. Well, no, some will, some will. Yeah, yeah definitely, some will. But that yeah. stigma is something that kind oh, of holds yeah, them back. Oh yeah, still there, still mm -hmm. there, still there. It's brutal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> People have no idea, absolutely no idea, but uh, how uh, unif you know, you universal illness is. You know, you don't mm -hmm. think you know if somebody was cancer, they'd be like, they wouldn't be lamping in for no. having cancer. You know, <laughs> uh, so there's still a lot of cruelty. But there's cruelty from within, you know, patient to patient cruelty as well, you know, there's quite prejudice. Stigma uh, between yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, don't be near him, he's a dafty, blah, blah, blah. That's unacceptable. You know, see, this guy's no well. I mean, you, you, for God's sake, where's your empathy? Mm -hmm. Can you know, see, you, you've seen this guy, what, three or four months ago, there's nothing like that, and you, you can't. You can't see that there's a change, you mm -hmm. know, and you're somebody that's using this resource because why? Because you're no well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, please. But we're, we're really, really lucky because we've been quite generous in the way that, that our interactions with patients are 
our patients are really supportive when new people come in. You know, so it's always, ah, how's it going, mate? Ah, you're there, get yourself a cup of tea, but so I really, I love that. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying that everybody's like that, but m- I would say most, 80, 90% of the people that use our service, even if they're just in for a few weeks, they quickly say, aye, come on out here, get <laughs> free access to the kitchen, you know, yeah. there's a, not a restrictive feel to it, you know, and everybody that comes into the resource says how welcoming it is, and if you come into a welcoming area, you feel more confident about trying new things, mm-hmm. so it's just, that's how we get, uh, uh, that's how any of the groups that are successful in the hospital work, because the practitioners are good, so if the practitioner knows how to use the space and be inviting and and give a wealth of their uh, empathy and concern to that wee group and to that space and show interest in everybody. Things go well, mm. you know. And that's it. So it's just, it's the person in the room. It's not the position or your skills or your perceived skills or your knowledge or anything. It's whether or not you want to go seek out folk and do good constructive things with them. Because you could be the most, you could be the brightest person in the world with all the skills and all the knowledge about psych, psychosocial interventions and different therapies and being. But if you do not have that table manner to get people in, uh, to indulge and to enjoy and to enthuse about something that you're doing, then pointless, totally mm-hmm. pointless. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's got to be respect and kindness and compassion and uh, everything else you can learn. Do the patients interact with each other as frequently on the ward as they would in the community centre? I mean, if they have a shared space, obviously, but would somebody with maybe higher or a, a more intense period of their mental illness be sitting right next to somebody that's maybe close to being discharged? Yeah, yeah, that would happen in a ward area. Yeah, definitely. So it's not that they don't see each other otherwise in the community centre it's just maybe in that environment something changes with dynamic and they feel more because you were saying about there being like patient to patient stigma oh and yeah maybe it's being broken down in the community centre oh yeah definitely yeah uh, yeah because a lot of the time you're contesting for uh, in competition for not attention but for, for resource when right. you're in the wards there but if you're coming along and doing things you want to do it takes away a lot of that tension, I think, you know, and I've seen people who have had difficulty in, uh, in the ward area getting on well when they get out of the ward area, mm. you know, when we go to do something out with the ward area, go to play football, go a walk or whatever, you know, they change the dynamic of the relationship, makes them be a wee bit more empathetic, a wee bit more understanding, and that definitely does work. Or even if you're doing like a, the patient activity nurses that work in the ward, they often, if they can get those folk to share an, uh, an activity on the wards, that, that breaks down the, the fractious relationships as well, you know, start to see each other as people rather than, you know, com- com- being competitive or combative with other folk. So, yeah, I think that's why activity is so massive. You know, it's the most denigrated thing of, of resources, you know, it's not it's the most, it's the thing that goes first when anything else goes wrong in the world, but it's the thing that actually provides uh, stability and back backbone to people's relationships is coming away to do we game of cars, we game of dominoes and people don't understand the value of something simple like dominoes to you know, like if you walk into a care of the elderly ward or any ward and put a, a 
box of dominoes then who picks it up who knows what to do who gets the organised who knows the rules who can tell the rules to other folk who who can understand the rules when you're telling them who knows when it's their turn there's, there's millions of things to evaluate mm. evaluate but and you would evaluate a million things more in a game of pool or art activity or a game of dominoes or uh, making a bracelet than you would ever would just sit and go so how are you feeling today you know because no who's going to respond to that that's 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 you know, it's fine, no, it's always something wrong, whereas you'll you find the meat in the, of the topics when you're doing things, you know. Mm. you know. So you can be really isolated, sitting doing something, it might be three or four weeks before you actually hear anything back, or, you know, people start to engage with you, but you're giving them that space to feel safer, feel they're not being... You know, tr you know, they're not being treated. Mm. They're, they're there in their own terms a lot of the time. So you get to share more information that way. I think it's dead obvious. I mean, if you do, you tell your doctor everything. <laughs> do you know? Do you tell your pals everything? You know, <laughs> it's, 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 uh, it's funny though because because of that, we we don't wear uniform and stuff like that. And I'm totally against uniforms and the kind of work that we do. Uh, I've been sitting in a bus and I've been going, I was fucking out there, right? And a, a couple of cans before I went back to the ward and I freaking buffed it, you know? And I've been selling drugs out the back and they're going, uh, I'm a nurse, <laughs> by the way, and I will have to report that. You know, it's like, what? <laughs> you see, it's because it's not the same atmosphere when you come into the place, they don't see you as clinicians, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it can be disarming. Unfortunately for them, you know, it's like I even told them this and I did that and I punched them and nobody was looking and you're like, really? <laughs> it's, uh, but, uh, but I do think there's more kindness and uh, there's less stigma by staff to patients. Although when I was started off in nursing, I thought there was a lot more generosity from staff, a lot more giving of themselves and giving of their own time and all that kind of stuff. But there was a lot of cruelty as well, a lot of intense cruelty as well. Like you're combating every single day. You are up against it every day as a young nurse uh, in the 80s. Great stuff happening, the best people you ever met in your life, the worst people you ever met in your life. It's the same bloody shift. It's quarter past one to quarter past nine and you're yeah. going between pillar and post. Really. Why do you think that was? Do you think it was like stigma they didn't understand how bad oh yeah being bad was no, yeah yeah definitely just you know making a fool of people and doing things to folk that were really cruel thinking it was a joke it was entertaining breaking up the the nights working stuff you know the min so breaking down the mundane hours of the shift to do this and that I've been doing something nice like getting art materials out but no no <laughs> be some vexatious you know <laughs> I mean Oh God! When they report stuff, and but I, the, I mean, the, the balance kind of spoke ever as well. You know, it's just that it's just so hard. Mm. It's hard. So many stories with regards to those things. You know, it's intense situations that you're in, and you're compromised, and you're trying to do stuff about. Mm. And uh, aye, that was hard. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the good times were great and the hard times were really hard. Um, uh, so uh, there's a balance in that.
I mean, I can remember going along into there was a Nightingale Awards, and uh, I was working in this ward, and there was really rough boys just working, you know, X Factory boys. I'm not saying that's why they were rough. I'm just saying they had the right attitude about them, you know. Like, and I was coming in and trying to be a nurse, like, was like try to get people to put on their own slippers and put on their own <laughs> their own shirt and all that, and they were going. And you're like, I'm trying to do my best here to get this person to do it. In. And I remember walking down the corridor. And, Looking into, there was a verandas at the side of the ward, and I was looking into the veranda, and there was all these patients sitting back in chairs that were tilted up, and they were locked in the chairs, and nurses were walking about, and their, shits, their, their sleeves rolled up, doing stuff, and having a laugh. Sometimes just fun. Don't get me wrong, it was not bad. There were some folk were genuinely nice and funny, but it was, it was some of it was quite invasive and horrible. And I was looking, <laughs> I was only about a year into my training, and I was like, I actually work there. I actually work in that and think it's okay to go in there and work every day. So uh, that really affected me. I thought, well, anytime I'm in there, I'm going to try and do something different when I'm in there. Total banner away for the folk must have hated me. And they used to put, <laughs> they used to put milk and sugar and tea in the, uh, uh, pot, uh, the teapots and pour them out. And oh, what, you have no idea some of the stuff I'd done. But, uh, so like, I, I, the students and all that had to make tea for the staff. It, uh, the breaks and that, so I was going out and putting tea and everything in there. And they were thinking, oh, gone mental. I really thought I was going to get killed a few times. And I was nice drinking Valley. Well, I was a big 14 and a half stain guy just after Bricky's Labour, and there was a tree fell on Sommelor, so I was a big strong boy, but they were all going to kill me for doing that, you know, uh, for treating them like the patients. You know? uh, so I, so there was a lack of attention to individual. Mm-hmm. When we first started there, and they did their own clays, the mess size, you know, the sizes were all different, and people were trying hard to provide individualised clothing and stuff like that. But it was, mm-hmm. it was, a, it was hellish to do that. It was hellish to keep on top of that. Mm. So it was, yeah, art was the last thing in your mind. You were trying to survive through, you know. But yeah, but it was cruelty and kindness in equal measure. Mm. <laughs> right well what I'll do with this now is when we've uh, downloaded it and stuff we'll send you a oh version God, of I hate to think that that makes sound like honestly <laughs> you don't need to listen to the whole thing but it's just really <laughs> up to yourself how much you want to sit and when we um, once you're happy with it we will begin to transcribe it um, and again then we can I know, I'm, I'm just wondering if I've really framed it in any meaningful way at all, you know? No, I'm sure there's all, there's always stuff in these things that you Aye. go back and you manage to find stuff out, so no, you will definitely have right. loads of stuff. Yeah, 100%. <coughs> yeah, and if there's anything that comes back to you, like, drop Ellie an email and she can note stuff down. It's good to have, like, little notes as well, so yeah. it's fine, yeah. Yeah, because my big problem is the expanse of what we've done. You know, you know, like I can go back to even things like baking classes and, uh, you know, teaching guys how to sew and all sorts of mm. stuff, you know, and doing basic literacy stuff. Try to use the literacy in an art form, uh, using counting, using newfound skills to represent an art and all this kind of stuff. So it's making all those, you know, connections between uh, learning, growth and expression and all that. Mm. So... Love that. It's like a primary school teacher when you're meeting folk who haven't done stuff before, and you're, you're just like saying, oh, there you are, there's a bowl of pasta thing we can like today, mm. uh, and just freeing people up to do stuff. That's my, 
I've really got a buzz for that because I am crap at everything myself. I can't <laughs> draw or anything. I, I can write. I enjoy. I'm confident about writing and, and saying it uh, and uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, delivering what I write. I'm, I'm, I'm confident about that. Even if I, even if it's shite, I don't really care. Let's try to impress on that. Yeah, you can be shite and still enjoy it. <laughs> you know, you can still do this. You know, but uh, even just like the guy that came as a musician recently. I'm thinking, oh, I wish I was with you 12 years ago. I'm leaving now, you know, and I've got this, I've got this idea for loads of uh, songs for different areas of the hospital, reflecting different aspects of care that can be montaged into something that's like a documentary, audio documentary or something like that. And he's came too late. <laughs> it's like, uh, so if anybody's got any the students come in and ask me, what can you, I don't even ask them their name. I was like, what do you do? And they're like, what do you mean? Like, what do you do? What can you do? Can you play fibre? Can you, can you draw? Can you play a guitar? Do you play the violin? Or whatever, you know. What's the core thing? And then you've, people are thinking, what, what do I do? You know, who am I? <laughs> you know, and then, like, even the, yesterday, I was talking to a student for the first time, and she was saying, oh, I'd forgot I did this when I was at school. And I said, well, we could try that. Tomorrow, see when you come in the morning, bring get that stuff and we'll try that, you know. And, uh, and getting a result today, you know, like she's doing something, she's going, I never thought that would work, but that was great. People really liked that. And mm. Still, I mean, 39 years in the job, I still get the same buzz uh, when I was trying to get that guy to put his own slippers on, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Oh, God, you know, he's put, you know, he can't put his own slippers on. Oh, is that right? You know, just digging in, thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm like, <laughs> you know, I really feel like uh, totally. ah, mm-hmm. top button, done his top button. I would get a real buzz out of that. So mm-hmm. it's a simple wee thing, some easy please, you know. There's a lot of nurses that are be that easy please nowadays, you know. <laughs> uh, it's less about care and more about management, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, lost the they're in the office and they're not on the floor, which is rubbish. Mm. Uh, people with the skills should be out on the floor. Anybody else can, you can, you know, capture information in another way, but people's journey through hospital really relies on people that they meet from the nursing team, you know. Not 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 just the nursing team, but, you know, that's where you spend the majority of your time with the nursing team, so. Mm. Oh, that's my... So I'm still 39 years and I'm still really passionate about nursing, still really passionate about new evidence related to care and trying new things and trying different things and mm-hmm. from my own perspective just using every medium possible to do that so I really love that mm-hmm. like the guy Chris was talking about the musician you know he came into the team just in the beginning of May and we've got them it was uh, Smarth was in, in May so I was saying to him I record folk in this you could do that and so we recorded to a really good standard uh, 12 or 12 or 13 different uh, pieces of writing that um, the writing group had wrote and got them to record in the writing group. It's amazing how people, there was 12 or 13 folk in the room, stuck a the microphone there, people just got up, some of them just read first time straight through and really good quality, you know. And Chris went out and uh, recorded uh, Walking on the Bus and, and used a soundscape for the different wee bits of poems. And it's just like, <laughs> it was just so brilliant, you know. I hardly anybody heard it because we, I mean, 
we were doing this in the 18th or something in May, and this was the 4th of May, I said to him, hey, you could maybe do this. And we had it, and packaged it, and people heard it on the night, and people, we used the Bluetooth phone, uh, headphones so that folk could walk about and look at stuff and listen to the, 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 the poetry pieces that have been recorded. <laughs> Such a buzz. Mm -hmm. And that's, it's being enthusiastic more than being skilled. A lot of the times it will get things done and not seeing parameters. Just going, going straight, just going past that, going past your own ability, not caring about those things, just just trying it. Mm. <laughs> getting such a kick out of get, doing something good from that. Yeah. Aye, even the wee things, honestly. Um, Emily, the, the, they were sitting with shells the other day and that politics every realm. It's like, what the? the hell could you have done that with these stupid pens, you know? People doing these really delicate, beautiful patterns across shells and the hell are these folk? Everybody's just out there. Mm. They don't know they've got this, you know, they don't know they've got this light inside them to do these things. They don't they don't know they're capable of these things, you know. Mm. Uh, guy was in his fifties the other day. I've not done art since I was at school. Must be fourteen or fifteen. The last time I picked up a felt tip pen, you know. <laughs> so well there you are, you've got a wee shell. It's gonna be in a house in South Hughes if you want to go up and visit. <laughs> Do you think if like schools had more resource and I don't know, there was more encouragement for kids, mental health wouldn't not that it wouldn't be as bad, but I don't know, would, does it feel more rife now or or was it speaking about it more? But do you think that would help in like day-to-day -day life if people were more access to yeah, it at school or <laughs> I was desperate to do that <coughs> I was trying to convince people when I was really young uh, 30 odd year ago I wanted to go to all the local schools we did end up going to the local schools to talk about the fun run to talk about mental health so we went and spoke to headmasters and we spoke to patients uh, patients went spoke to uh, school pupils and we went to assemblies and said well we're doing this event it's about saying, you know, hello, we're a hospital, don't be afraid of us, there's uh, people just like any hospital, it's just people with illness and people get better and all this kind of stuff, so we're just doing that. But I'd have loved to have done that in a much more constructive way mm. with local school, schools local to the hospital, because I think it would have generated, generated a, a more charitable perspective, you know. Mm. That did, the, the hospitals that... that the, the schools that did come to our fund and that they they fundraised for a lot of stuff and they gave us in stuff and mm. and uh, and I love that and that's what ma that's a massive part of my job as well over the last 10, 20 years charitable events in the hospital like we're doing food banks for the third or fourth year we've got two thousand odd pounds in Maggie's centre uh, what was it eight hundred odds to Alzheimer's or there was we do stuff every year and we try to connect it with something that's happening in the hospital so. The woman that gave us like thousands of pounds worth of art materials because she had multiple sclerosis and couldn't use her materials anymore, uh, and uh, so we would do like uh, an event for uh, multiple sclerosis charity. So the money's not going to her, but it's associated with, with her. So and I love the idea of people from an Alpers who are in hospital giving to other folk who they see as as uh, needing support. You know, so I love that generating compassion and kindness and thoughtfulness and being mindful of other people that are all. Uh, so we, we're big in that, huge in that. So it's like a, almost, I mean, I'm not a religious person, but it's like in a spiritual 
connection to to other people as well. Mm. So, I so I always see the potential for that that people come and drop stuff off at our place and like that that connects you to all the different parts of the hospital and sometimes other parts of the community resources. Guys come in and drop off bags for the rucksack appeal or the food bank appeal and stuff like that. So, yeah. And I think that could be done more constructively mm-hmm. with schools and welcoming schools into environments. So they used to do a lot when I was younger. They used to have a lot of people came and did work experience, coming out of RT, working with the team. Uh, but there's lots of <laughs> there's lots of legal legalese around about that now, and it's much harder to do. Mm. And it's yeah, it doesn't happen as often. But uh, aye. That would have been a brilliant opportunity to invest, get people to invest in the hospital, you know, it's own the, you know, because everybody loves the sick kids, you know, it's always, you know, everybody gets behind that and sees that and embraces the, the culture or charity for things like that. Mm-hmm. They're less so with, um, with mental health. Even I'm like that. I'm, I mean, because maybe because I work in mental health and I feel. You know, dedicate a lot of time to doing stuff within mental health. I'm always looking out with refugees or uh, uh, homeless or whatever. You know, always looking mm-hmm. for the next next thing. So that's quite mm-hmm. strange. <laughs> Try to get people who have got all this to look out with themselves. You know, and support other people. You know, uh, aye. So that, that was, that's the theme yet. You know, like given will make you feel better mm-hmm. you know that is, that's good for you it's not that's self-nurturing as well if you can give a wee bit back to folk then you'll feel a lot better you'll feel you'll be more grateful for what you have and you'll be glad you've helped and that kind of stuff simple stuff yeah. <laughs> and we've got a great i mean like I, we did the we guy a guy who was totally mute no talking to anybody and Hardly said a word to him. It was really standoffish, and did the food bank charity thing. We got thousands of pounds worth of stuff delivered to the department. We were putting on the back of a van to take. The, you know, he was out, and I'm watching him going in, lifting all the bags out and taking them out to the van and loading the van. And just like, I feel totally anointed to see that. You know, I feel emotional when I think it. Even that he's just him. You know. Despite having had just a really young guy, really terrible, you know, things happened to him uh, prior to coming into hospital and stuff, and not really getting better that quick, but still being uh, driven, motivated enough to think, oh, okay, I can help. Mm. Well, I'm going to help here, you know. I love that. <laughs> so instead, it's upside, but it's true. So they wee things. Mm. And, and, and keep you encouraged and keep you enthusiastic you know mm. I'd be sad for folk that don't see that you know a lot of my peers like uh, in the last five or six years have gone aye that's me five years 24 days and 12 hours till we stop and I'm like get yourself to fuck out you know we don't need you hanging about you don't let your work get to hell work yeah. somewhere else you know because oh god's sake we're just dragging everything else down <laughs> I hate those I hate those Attitude, you know. I feel sorry that they feel like that, that they're not enjoying their work and I feel anointed that I've had such a brilliant time now. I'm finding it hard to leave my work, mm. you know, because I've stayed four years longer than I, I needed to. Uh, and I would stay another wee while, but I'm, st- 
just keep thinking, I've got to draw a line somewhere, you know, because I'm 59 and a lot of the guys I stood with at the Fitbit, Coburnie, my, who are younger than me, are dead. My pals are ill and all this kind of stuff, and I'm thinking, uh, I really love my work, but surely there must be more to me than that, you know. Uh, I don't want to just die in while I'm at work or whatever, you know. It's like, I want to do other things as well. Of course. <laughs> it's like, but I could easily just keep going, I honestly could. Um, yeah, I'm still driven, but I want to be driven for other things. I like to write. Yeah. <laughs> something, you know, Get a just chance to do something about yourself. <laughs> Aye. Have a bit of fun with that. Aye. Right, <laughs> 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 <laughs>